Hi there, you're listening to the Guitar Speak podcast, produced here in Sydney, Australia. My name is Matt Wakeling, and thank you so much for joining me. Now today, for episode number 85, I speak to one of my heroes, Michael Sweet from the band Striper. Now, back in the 80s, Striper were one of the first true metal bands I, I ever heard, and it changed my world. It rocked my world. The first album I heard was Striper's Soldiers Under Command, and yeah, I was brought up on a lot of heavy rock and hard rock, um, but they, yeah, were definitely the first metal kind of band with taking their cues from bands like Iron Maiden and Judas Priest. Stripe had a, a huge career. Uh, they were big, a big hit on MTV, they sold millions of records, toured the world, and for an overtly Christian band, did things in a different way. They, they shared tours with bands like Bon Jovi and Rat and Motley Crue and really took their message uh, beyond the four walls of the church. Striper are still at it. They've just released their 10th studio album, Goddamn Evil. And I spoke to frontman Michael Sweet. Now, Michael, uh, along with Oz Fox, has, has really formed one of the great twin guitar teams in metal. Uh, their harmony lines are amazing, and they're both excellent soloists in their own right. Michael talks to us about the, the classic Striper tone, how he pulled it in the 80s, how he pulls it now, uh, talks about the upcoming world tour and much, much more. So let's jump straight in. Here's my interview with Michael Sweet. Thanks for your time, Michael. Great to talk to you. Well, it's nice to talk to you, buddy. You're, you're far, far away in a land far away. <laughs> it's true. Um, I'm really excited to talk about the new record and your tour, which you're just about to start. But if you would indulge me for a moment and if I could jump back a few decades, I remember seeing you guys back in uh, 87 when Striper toured Australia for the first time and as a very young wow. Christian, as I was there, yeah. I was uh, 16 and really getting into guitar, you guys wrote some very inspiring music and uh, more so really encouraged me in my faith. So thank you. Thank you for, uh, for what you've been doing. Well, thank you, man. That's really great to hear. And that's the whole goal. Uh, that's, that's why we do this is to inspire. And it's, it's nice to hear people say that they were inspired by it. So it's very cool. And yeah, Australia, we, we, we'll never forget. I mean, we've only been, you know, um, gosh, let's see, a few times back in the 80s and then uh, recently, not that long ago. Yeah. Uh, and we're coming back. We're working on coming back um, this year, actually. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Excellent. So back to this year then and, and year two. 2018, is, it's got to be a pretty great time to be in Striper. You know what? I think it, it's always a great time to be in Striper, I hope. Um, we, we enjoy what we do and, you know, we still have fun doing it and we still get excited about it and, uh, love, not just the music, of course, but, you know, love the message behind the music. And, you know, we're still very, very into that and very passionate about that. And it means a lot to us. It means everything to us, really. So to be able to have the opportunity to, to still be doing it 34 years later is, is miraculous. It's pretty cool. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. And um, yeah, lots of great stuff happening right now. So uh, the new album, Goddamn Evil's just come out. It's already getting some great reviews in various parts of the press. And uh, it's already all over some of the different billboard charts as well, which is, which is very cool. And um, Now, you mean, are you, you, are you talking about our album, Gosh Darn Evil? <laughs> I, I think we can still call it Goddamn Evil in Australia. I, I don't know if it's been banned here yet. 
So there's been well, some, uh, you know, there's been some controversy about the name. Is that is that true? Yeah, and, and I mean it's to be expected. I mean Striper's always been about not so much sitting down at a table and saying, "Hey, let, how can we be controversial?" We don't do that, but we do want to release uh, titles and lyrics that may pe- make people think, uh-huh. make people talk, and and kind of rattle the cages and ruffle feathers because that's the whole point, you know. You want you want people to talk about what you're doing and 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 ask questions and you can give them answers, you know. That's a good thing. Sure. So um, I think a title like Goddamn Evil does just that. You know, it's a title that my brother threw out a few years back, and, and we didn't go with it at that time. Um, and then it, it, I, I kind of threw it out there again uh, this time around, and uh, we all felt like, yeah, that's that would work. That That's a good title. And uh, especially it, it, it's very relevant for today and, and for our times that we live in now because – you know, there is a lot of evil in this world. There always has been, but there seems to be, uh, you know, it seems to have gone to new heights and different levels. Um, you know, and, and we see things that we thought we'd never see mm-hmm. uh, in, in a shocking way. And, you know, to to have an album title like Goddamn Evil where, you know, uh, the way the way we're looking at it and the way we mean it is is looking to heaven and saying to God, God, damn evil, you know, condemn evil, you know, um, it's a powerful thing to say. And I think it's something that people should be asking God to do. You know, people get wrapped up in there's no comma and you should have said damned evil past tense and you should have said this or you should have said it that way. You know, and I think people are just getting too caught up in the small things when they should be getting caught up in the, in the bigger, the bigger issue at hand, you know, which is all the issues in the world, man. Uh, all the, all the evil that we see going on around us. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminds me a little of, um, to hell with the devil. That was a really bold album name back in the eighties, but put squarely put, um, what stripe were about on the, on the front. Exactly. The yeah. Yeah. And it was to hell with the devil back in 86 you know, wound up really creating a lot of issues and it got banned from some stores and so much so that um, we felt uh, obligated to redo the artwork. And, and we and we did. Yeah. You know, covers, it, we, covers, yeah. we yeah, we changed the artwork and because we didn't want to alienate people and we wanted to kind of, you know, uh, go with the flow to a degree and. You know, this time around, we didn't change the artwork. We didn't change the title. I guess we could have uh, to try to blend in and be accepted at all uh, all stores and outlets and whatnot. But, you know, we just didn't feel that there was purpose in, in terms of doing that. Sure. We felt like, yeah, let's, let's stick to our guns. And, you know, um, I, I find it very funny and fascinating that it's uh, – it's been banned by, say, Walmart. You know, they, they, they carried it online, but they didn't carry it in the stores. Okay. But yet you'll go to Walmart and you'll see albums with explicit stickers stuck all over them and, you know, naked women on the cover. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and that's fine. You know, it's 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 a real dub, double standard. That's that's pretty, pretty funny, actually. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. 
it, this is your tenth studio album. What's what's the writing process like for for this last record? Pretty much as it's always been, you know. Uh, except for, I think in the past uh, there was more time taken uh, to writing an album. You know, there'd be a few songs written, and then a few weeks would go by, and then another song, and a week would go by, and another song. You know, I'm talking in the early days. Sure. You know, they were written written over a period of time, and then we got to a point. Uh, once we had a, a, a contract and we were touring and it was a blur, you know, it was more about going in and not having as much time to, to write songs. And then now there seems to be less time. And it, it's really interesting because myself as a writer, I, I kind of enjoy uh, working under pressure. Okay. I don't, I, I don't do well with uh having a year to write an album you know if, if someone gave me a year to write an album i probably wouldn't work on it until the last few weeks of the year you know because it's just kind of the way it's the way my mind works um I, I i work better under pressure and if you said hey write me an album and you have a week to do it i would almost get more excited about that than having a year to do it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. We we spoke to Zach Wild. Um, uh, his latest BLS album, same story. He he had a couple of weeks. Yeah. He enjoyed yeah. the deadline. Sounds like you work in the, in a similar kind of a way. Right. Yeah. Uh, I I do. I enjoy working well. I work well under pressure. And you know, some people say, well, you know, you should have more time and spend more time writing. I don't know, man. It doesn't seem to work for me. Okay. Uh, I I really like having a a window and being under the gun and uh i don't like doing demos okay i i think it's a way i think it's a complete waste of energy because the reason why i think that is i've done demos in the past and i always find that whenever demos are done there's always something about the demo you like better than the than the master mm-hmm. you know because you're, you're you're pouring your first impression energy into the demo and then sometimes you can't get that back and, uh, you know, I want all that first energy that's coming out right out of the box to be poured into the real thing. Sure. Cool. So not, how, a, not a demo. So how does that work then? So for this record, you've written a bunch of songs, super strong songs too. So under pressure, you've, you've really come up with the goods. How, how do you then present them to the band without demoing or are they involved? You just, you know, send them, you know, we, we send back ideas back and forth and, and say, hey, check this out. And everyone's like, oh, cool, you know, and. And and then they'll come out to the house and we'll all sit there and rehearse them and, and, and figure it out. Uh-huh. Uh, we never submit demos. The label asks for demos and I just simply say no. Mm-hmm. You're not getting demos. And you know if they don't if they don't like that and, and you know they say well that's a deal breaker then we'll go find another label. You know it's it's, it's and it's not to be it's not to be cold or sure. or mean spirited or anything. It's just. Demos are just a waste for a band like Striper. If you don't, if you don't know that Striper can deliver by now, then no demo in the world is going to prove that. You know, and it, it, it's just a waste. So it's just the way I feel. That's yeah, all. Sure. So what we hear on the album, they're, they're fairly fresh takes, I guess. There's um, man, there's a lot of energy on the record. Even, even the quote unquote ballad. Um, is pretty meaty and uh, and the rockiest stuff is, yeah. is really rocking on this album. Take it to the cross. That's uh, gets a bit thrashy. That's that's a fun tune to open the record. 
Yeah, we, we went with that one because uh, it is. It's fun, man. We went with it because it's it's probably out of all the songs. It's it's probably the one people would least expect mm-hmm. for us to release as 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 a not only a first song, but a, any song. Because it's got the death growl on it, and it's it, it, you know it's got the take it to the cloth, you know, the odd phrasing and whatnot, and it, it's definitely the the most unexpected track, uh-huh. and that's why we went with it. We wanted you know the label heard it, uh, Nick, our label guy's like, oh man, you got to go with this one, and and I said, yeah, I completely agree, and it, it's it's the most shocking. Um, and then you have songs like you mentioned, can't live without your love. That's that's more of an expected style from Striper. But even that, you know, it's not a syrupy piano ballad like honestly. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 guitar oriented. It's got edge. It's got fire to it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's it's cool. This album is really high octane. It's got a lot of energy to it. Yeah, every yeah. single song. Mm-hmm. But they're all different. There's no song alike. I love the tune Lost. Mind me of some classic Striper had the uh, had the ping pong solo, so I think. Uh, oh, good man! Yeah, that's one of my favorites too. We're gonna add that to the set eventually. Awesome. awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah. Lost, Lost has got that classic Striper uh, feel. You know, yeah. just there's something that's more classic. The chorus kind of goes somewhere else, but the the tempo and the verses and stuff it's a real classic sounding striper song yeah i was i was stoked when the uh well i think i was took a solo then you took a solo and then the harmonies arrived which uh which, yes. which did it for me that was cool <laughs> well that's very that's very traditional striper right yeah. when we do that uh we go back and forth and uh you know uh, yeah, i'll start it and then i'll finish it or i'll start it and, and and I'll finish it or we go back and forth or we'll end in a harmony or, you know, it's it's just kind of that's a big part of um, of the Striper sound always has been. Yeah. Awesome. You, you've you mentioned uh, Iron Maiden and Judas Priest as being influences on, on you guys. As yes. a band. And Oz and yourself have really um, created one of the great twin guitar lineups as well. Tell me about working with him. Oh, man. I mean, you when you find chemistry you know um it, it's hard to replace you you can't just you know pick anyone out in the crowd and, and expect to have that you know um and that's the thing that we have you know we we have we have this certain certain chemistry and this certain thing that just works and gels and fits um regarding vocals regarding playing uh, and just the locking in vibe and you know, we've been playing together for a long time. I mean, my brother and I have been playing together since, gosh, I joined this band when I was 12 years old. I was born in 63. So, you know, you're talking about 1975. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and then we met Oz uh, not long after that uh, and and then started playing with him not long after that. And, you know, we've been play, playing together our entire lives. And I think because of that, growing up on the same music and in the same town and you know, knowing each other for so long, there, there comes this special, unique quality that y- you just can't manufacture or produce 
at the snap of a finger. It's something that's engraved Mm -hmm. and it's deep and it's really cool. And we have that, you know, it's, it's not a lot of bands have that, but we do. How how do you work on those harmony parts? Is, is it just up to one person comes up with a line and then the other harmonizes? You know, yeah. I, I mean, these days in the old days we would sit down and work out stuff like that. Nowadays, because we live in different States, uh, sometimes it's worked out by one guy and sent to the other guy, or it's worked out by the other guy and sent to the other guy, or, you know, it's just, it's a matter of whatever's most convenient, Sure. you know? Um, and whatever works, whatever, not only what's convenient, but whatever sounds the best, mm-hmm. you know, if there's something that sounds great, we'll run with it. If there's something that's not quite right, we'll say, Hey, well, why don't we try this? Or we can do this. It might be better. Or, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, we, we kind of, kind of have it down. Yeah. We you know, we know, <laughs> we know, yeah, exactly. We know how to make this, these albums. We know how to do this. We know how to write. We know how to put together a good striper album. And we know if it's not up to par and we know if it is, sure. uh, and we, we've kind of figured it out and I would certainly hope so after 34 years or 35 yeah. years. So yeah, we're, we're enjoying it, man. It's really awesome. cool. Awesome. Your world tour um, starts, what, in the next day or two, pretty much? It starts, I mean, officially it started in Italy a few days ago. Okay, yep, yep. We played in Milan, um, and that was the first show, really. And then we came back, had a few days off. We are now heading to Maryland, Mm -hmm. Merryweather, and we play at a festival called M3. Uh, and we, that's, I guess the, the first U S date. Okay. And then we go, we go right from there to Cleveland and, um, and you know, hit the ground running, man. We've got, I think we're out for like six and a half weeks. We go home and we do fly dates throughout uh, July and August. And then we, we go into another ground run later on in the year. Yeah. It looks like you're, you're booked fairly solidly right through to November. So, mm-hmm. um, I'd say there's some Japan dates already confirmed. So there are, and we're trying to work it out when we come to Australia too, because I mean Japan's so close to Australia, it makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah, would love to see you here. Um, we're almost out of time, but I wanted to ask you about your guitars. What, um, what, what are you taking on the road? I see you've got a new custom shop Washburn. Yeah, man, I'm taking a custom shop Washburn, and I'm taking an import Washburn. Okay, cool. Um, and the import isn't available yet. Uh, the custom shops are; they're pricey. You know, they're around 3,500 American, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, they're handmade and um, they're all upgraded with, uh, you know, Floyd Rose upgrades and uh, fret upgrades and inlays and uh, the graphics and everything. It's, it's, it's quite detailed. The import is made in Indonesia, uh, but man, it feels really fantastic. It's a killer playing guitar. Uh, and it's going to, it's going to hit the streets like any day. I, as a matter of fact, I need to email Washburn and find out, I believe it's early June Okay, cool. is when it, it, it it's, it's going to be shipped out to all the stores worldwide and it's going to, uh, retail for, I think nine ninety nine. Okay. Great. Great. So just under a grand and it's a killer guitar, man. It's got the same graphics on the front, uh, Floyd Rose, Duncan design pickups, um, 24 frets, inlays, all all the good stuff. And I'm going to be playing that one as well on this tour. Cool. Very cool. And for amps, are you you running everything direct? Are you using your uh, ISP Theta? 
I'm using the ISP. That's correct. Uh, it's a signature pedal, and uh, you know I love it. It works for me. Uh, it's got that tone, that that uh, striper Michael Sweet tone, and uh, that half cocked wah, yeah. high gain kind of thing. And uh, believe it or not, man, I feed an amp out of it as well. Okay. Yeah. But we wind up just taking the direct out of it into the console and that's what that's what you hear live you do a really interesting thing with your eq which which has gone back to the early days as well um can you explain that yeah you know the thing the thing that i've always been fascinated with are the tones that with that half cocked wah uh-huh. uh kind of thing it's a real squawky like mid-range boosted yeah, honky yeah. tone it's always been my thing you know uh i loved uh Michael Schenker, uh, still still do one of one of my favorites, and I, I always liked his tone, even though it was real clean. I, I always liked the tone of it, and the sound of it. Um, I just watched a movie uh, about Mick Ronson uh, called Beside Bowie. Okay, cool. And he was he was talking in the movie about how he used a half cocked wah. Oh yeah, yeah. For his tone, and I never knew that, but now that he it talks about it. I, it makes perfect sense because he had that same kind of sound and that's always been my thing. So in, when I was really young, I started kind of going out and checking out gear and, you know, trying to kind of get that kind of thing, but with my own signature to it, my own sound on top of it. And I wound up buying a lab series head. Um, and I always, I was fascinated by that because it had a parametric EQ on it. And I was able to plug straight into that and kind of get that sound, that half-cocked wah sound. And then I wound up eventually preamping with that into the front of a Marshall and then eventually into a Boogie. And then I wound up going to a Furman PQ3. And and that's always been my thing, man. And um, I'm doing the same thing with the ISP. Cool. So I I run a lot of pre-EQ and post um and and that's the way i get that sound and you know i i add a lot of mids to the pre distortion and then i scoop out mids on the post distortion yeah nice it's a cool set i mean a lot of people were scooping the mids in the 80s um but it's really yeah. hard to hear that sound unless it's super loud but with by slamming it in the front end with with those mids you you get a lot of presence and that's what it is that's the difference yeah you see yeah, by cool. adding the mids on the pre it makes it cut through. It really cuts it out in the mix. I mean, it, you can hear it. You know, um, it, it's got this cutting mid thing that, that just works. And then, But then I scoop mids out on the EQ, so it's got a real chunky sound to it. Uh, and, and it works, man. Our, the sound guy, our, our guy Jake, just kind of throws up my fader outside, out, out there, and he puts a, a, a roll-off. He, he, you know, he does a, a high-pass filter and rolls off from like a hundred down and that's it okay easy nice he doesn't have to eq it or anything he just throws a fader up and it's like yep that sounds great and it and it really works man you can listen on youtube and stuff and it just cuts out you can cuts through in the mix man you hear it yeah sounds great and it complements oz's tone too which has i guess less of a less of a peak in the mid so exactly yes looks great absolutely Cool, and you can hear it all over the new record. sounds sounds great. Sounds really chunky when, when that kicks in, and it sounds like Striper when I hear that tone. So that's that's really cool. It is. It's a very definable. I mean, the minute you hear our guitar tone, uh, you know it's Striper. It's got this. It, it's got 
a very unique sound to it. Awesome. Uh, you know, lo- love it or hate it, 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 it it's it's our sound. That's the sound, yeah. And uh, same thing with Boston, or same thing with uh, Queen. You know, there's there's there are these certain guitar tones where you hear them, and it's like, oh, that's Brian May, or oh, that's Boston. And I think it's the same thing with Striper. People people know the sound right away. Great. Well, Michael, great talking to you. I know you've you've flown out and you've got other commitments today as well. So thank you so much for your time today. And uh, yeah, we hope to see you then in Australia, hopefully later this year. Yeah, man, that'll be awesome. Uh, We'll be looking for you and looking forward to it. And thank you for your time as well and support. We appreciate it, man. Cheers. Cheers. My pleasure. Okay, buddy. Thanks, Michael. Cheers. Take care, buddy. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye now. All right, there you go. There's my conversation with Michael Sweet from Striper. And uh, yeah, that was cool. That was cool. I, I, I fanboyed a bit up the front. I, I'll admit that. <laughs> um, but yeah, very cool to talk about the new record and, and, and all that stuff. So, All right. If you're new to the show, we've got uh, another 84 guests that we've had, another 84 episodes, and probably not a dissimilar world to Michael Sweet. We've had guitarists a couple of weeks ago. We had John Norum from Europe. I had Zach Wilde on the show from Ozzy Osbourne's band, uh, Joel Hoekstra, who plays in Whitesnake, and he's also worked with Michael Sweet on some of his solo stuff. Um, but we've also spoken to fusion musicians like Scott Henderson, Brett Garson, Michael Dolce, uh, plenty of different styles, all sorts of things, ambient players, blues players, prog players. Uh, they're all here on the Guitar Speak podcast. So, yeah, check out our our past interviews. The best way to do it is to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or if you're on an Android device, you can find us at Stitcher or iHeartRadio or most um, most places where podcasts are distributed. Just search for Guitar Speak Podcast. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. Love to speak to you on any of those forums and you can support us through Patreon. All right, I'm out of here. My name's Matt Wakeling, and thank you so much for joining me on the Guitar Speak podcast. Catch you next time.